Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lighting the Shadows, a podcast where we talk about all things mental health. I'm your host, Kristen Lowerson, and in the next few episodes, we'll be talking about something that is essential to mental health, and that is interpersonal relationships. So today, I wanted to share one of my favorite communication tips with you that I learned from therapy, and that is intentional dialogue. So if you're like me and have a difficult time knowing how to navigate conversations about conflicted perspectives, this episode is for you. Hey, everyone. I'm sorry. I've been a bit MIA lately with the holidays, but I hope everyone had a fantastic Christmas and New Year's. And I'm super excited to share one of my New Year's resolutions with you guys. I've decided to publish an episode every Tuesday. So hopefully I can stick with that. I'm going to stick with that (laughs) throughout the year. And I'm really looking forward to sharing some interviews with you guys with some awesome guests. So I feel honored that I get to share their wisdom and stories with you all, along with some of my own thoughts every Tuesday. So for the first episode of 2021, I really wanted to share one of my favorite tips I learned in therapy, and that is the miracle of intentional dialogue. So naturally, I am a peacemaker. I like to please people, and I hate conflict. Like, I avoid it. Naturally, I avoid it like a plague. But life has taught me that conflict simply can't be avoided sometimes, People have different opinions, perspectives, and experiences, so therefore conflict is bound to arise in lots of situations. And I've noticed that people react to conflict in one of three ways. So either they are blind to the other person's point of view and they argue their own until the other person backs down, or and this is what I used to do all the time, they undermine and second-guess their own experience and give more value and voice to the other person's experience. Or, number three, they skillfully listen to the experience of others while giving their own experience an equal amount of value, leaving periods of conflict with both people feeling heard, understood, and content with the outcome. So, So, obviously, The last approach to conflict is the only healthy approach. In the first approach, people see their experience as fact and the other person's experience as fiction, and it leaves them feeling stuck in the closed-minded world of their own experience, right? So they're not going to grow. They're not going to grow and learn from other people's experiences. They usually struggle with relationships. And then the other person feels misunderstood and undervalued. And then the second approach. So like I said, I can relate mostly to the second approach. This is what I would do all growing up um, during our first years of marriage. I would listen to the other person's experience and make it fact. So their person's, the other person's experience held more value than my own. And then I would passively allow the other party to project their opinion and experience on my own experience, even if it didn't ring true to my perspective and my my heart and soul, right? So over time, this caused me to not trust myself or my own intuition. And eventually I became very insecure 
And I wanted to trust anyone else but myself. I wanted everyone else to make decisions. I didn't want to be ever in the center of attention because I just, I did not trust myself. I didn't listen to my own voice. I didn't give it value. So learning to be more assertive is something I'm still working on today. I'm working on trusting my own gut, my own intuition, and giving voice to my own experience. And intentional dialogue that we're going to talk about today has really helped me with that. Because interacting in the way that I was interacting can eventually lead to resentment. Resentment towards yourself for not speaking your own truth and resentment towards others who haven't heard you out. So I want to spend the rest of our time focusing on the last effective, healthiest way to approaching conflict. When you're looking at conflict this way, you own your own experience and the other party's experience is not fact anymore, right? Experience is not fact. There's not a right versus wrong or a forceful pushing of opinion or passively withdrawing either. So the conversations don't result in what I like to call a blame game, which my first couple years of marriage was full of blame games where both parties would leave the conversation feeling drained, unheard. And I just remember at the end of those conversations feeling like like we'd both say, okay, we've gotten nowhere with each other in hours. Like it was pointless. People who use intentional dialogue, they give space for both their own opinions and perspectives, as well as the opinions and perspectives of other people, even if they're completely different than their own. Intentional dialogue at the same time does not compromise your own values and opinions and or of the other, the other party either. The goal of intentional dialogue is to help both parties in conflict feel heard, understood, and validated. And when we feel understood, we're much more likely to become open-minded to the other perspectives and experiences of others. So intentional dialogue looks at different experiences as merely experiences, right? Not fact, experiences. And experiences cannot be objectively true or false. They are subjectively true to each person and vastly different from the experience of others. So the purpose of intentional dialogue is to learn empathy, to try to put yourself in someone else's shoes and try to understand their experience, see their experience as fact to them and your experience as fact to you, but come to conclusions that best serve the experiences of both people. So after that lengthy description of intentional dialogue, let's talk about what it actually looks like. So there are four parts to intentional dialogue. Mirror, validate, empathize, and respond. And I'm going to go through these four parts one by one, and then I'm going to attempt to utilize them in a real-life example. So if you're wanting these written out for you, You can go to my website, www.lightingtheshadows.org, and you'll find it as an attachment under this episode's tab. Okay, so step one, mirror. So the first step is to listen carefully to the other person's experience. And what's essential here is to maintain a curious attitude, which can kind of be hard. (laughs) 
if you feel like the other person's experience is so different than yours. But honestly, curiosity is key to the whole process. So you can think things like, I wonder why they perceive things this way. That's interesting. It's different than I perceived it, but why would they? Why would they think of things this way? And not in a judgmental way, but just very honestly, openly curious. So don't get defensive or make it about you, even if it feels like a personal attack, even if they're trying to attack you or it seems like they are. Just try and hear the person out. And it's okay if somebody tries to talk to you and you're not feeling like you can do this because you're just feeling yourself getting defensive and upset. You can take a time out. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later with our uh, real life example too. But yeah, you definitely want to make sure you're in a good mind, <laughs> good mindset to be able to have this kind of conversation. So you want to ask questions. So verbally ask questions like, oh, did I get that right? Is there more? What else do you want to tell me? And then at the end of step one, you want to summarize what they've told you to make sure you understand what they're trying to say. So you can do this several times until the other person has said everything that they want to say. And you can summarize by saying things like, okay, let me see if I got that. You're saying da-da-da and repeat back what you think that they've said. So the goal here is to understand what the person's saying, to not get defensive and make it about you, which can be really hard sometimes, and to maintain a curious attitude. So yeah, I never said intentional dialogue was easy, but it is seriously so worth it. Um, so moving on to step two, step two is validate. So this step can be particularly hard for people who have a very different experience than the one they're listening to, but it's so important and it can be done without compromising your own experience. So when you validate someone, you tell them that their experience makes sense, that they're not crazy, stupid, wrong, etc. for having the perspective that they just described. But when you validate someone, it doesn't mean you have to agree with their experience. Instead, you're just recognizing that the other person has their own separate subjective experience, which has a logic of its own. So you're recognizing the other person's experience as their truth. Again, it does not have to be your truth. But you're acknowledging that their truth is their truth and it holds equal value to them as your truth does to you. So you're trying to understand why their truth is their truth, again, with an open mind and curiosity. So you can validate by saying something like, oh, it makes sense that blank because of blank. Okay, step three, empathize, my favorite step. So in this step, you're trying to understand or see or imagine what the other person feels because of their experience. So it's all focused on feelings. So empathizing requires you to recognize and name the other person's emotions. And then this is the magic to also begin to experience those emotions with them. So you can use single words to name feelings, you know, angry, sad, frustrated, disappointed, etc. And what's so amazing about 
empathizing is that sometimes people don't even recognize their own feelings until someone else is willing to hear them explain their experience out loud. And then as they're explaining their experience and they feel like they're receiving it with openness and curiosity, then they're able to truly like understand, oh, this is what I'm feeling. And that is awesome. (laughs) It is seriously powerful. So understanding someone else's feelings, why it's so powerful is it can yield deep connection, trust, friendship, and then they're going to want to be, they, they're going to want to share things with you in the future, you know, greater willingness to share how they're feeling and what they're experiencing in the future. And you can empathize by saying something like, I can imagine that you must feel sad, you know, frustrated because of this. So, and then, then just try and really just put yourself in their shoes and feel those feelings. Okay. Last step, step four, respond. So this is essential that you wait until step four to respond. And it's only after you've fully completed the previous three steps that it's time for you to state your own experience. And this is a lot of people struggle with waiting, right? Because we hear someone else's experience and we often get defensive because we feel like it's a personal attack or we feel like, oh, that's not right. Like I view it this way and I want to, I want to talk about how I view it. Um, But if you jump in to respond without going through all those three steps and helping the person feel heard and understood and work out their own emotions and feel their own emotions um, and feel like, you know, you're there with them through it all, then that's when the blame game happens. So, so important to wait until step four to respond. Um, So the person who has their feelings openly hurt or begins a conversation should be the person to take the spotlight first while the other person practices mirroring, validating, and empathizing. So say like, say your spouse comes up to you or your partner comes up to you and they're like, I hate that you do this. And, you know, they're obviously upset about something um, or like, you know, they're the one upset. They should be the one to take the spotlight and you Again, you can readdress this when you're feeling like you're able to in a calm manner, but you should be the one to do those three steps and let that person have the spotlight. And then when they've gone through all those steps, then you can have the spotlight and it can be your turn. Um, so what's so cool about intentional dialogue is like the more often than not when People feel heard and understood. So if you if you go through the first three, you know, those three steps with somebody that's upset and even upset with you, then what's magical about it is all of a sudden they've felt heard, they felt understood, they felt empathized with, and they're ready now to have a more open mind and do the same for you. And that's really cool too, because now you can have the opportunity to, to feel heard and understood. Okay, so that (laughs) in a nutshell is intentional dialogue. And you guys, it really is so powerful. It's like, it's probably my favorite tip that I've learned from therapy as far as interpersonal relationships go. So my awesome husband, Trevor, is willing to help me demonstrate intentional dialogue 
I really wanted to show a real life example of practicing intentional dialogue to help everybody understand it better. So I'm going to take the position of being hurt by something that Trev did, and he is going to take the position of practicing intentional dialogue first. And we're not the best actors, so sorry, this is not going to be an award-winning performance by all means. Speak for yourself. (laughs) But a huge, huge thank you to Trevor for being my special guest today. You ready, Trev? Yep. So happy to be here, and thanks for letting me participate in this. Yeah. I should do this more often, right? I wouldn't go go that far. Okay, so just a little background of this role play that we're going to do for you. In this situation, Trevor walks in the door from work and walks immediately to the couch where he grabs the remote and turns on the TV. And this is not a common occurrence and has just started happening for the past week and a half. Meanwhile... I'm dealing with screaming kids and trying to get dinner going, and that's when I start this conversation. So you can just picture Trevor exhausted, sitting on the couch, watching TV, me exhausted, holding a screaming kid. So this is when I say, Trev, for the past few weeks, when you come home from work, you plop down on the couch and turn on the TV while I'm trying to juggle the kids and I'm making dinner and everything else. It's not fair. You should be helping me in the kitchen. Okay, so pause the scenario for a minute. How are you feeling, Trev? Do you want to have a calm discussion and listen to me right now? That's probably the last thing I want to do at this point. Feeling pretty angry and defensive and definitely would not want to start into (laughs) any conversation at this point. Right. So often this happens when both people are heated and upset and those topics are, are really important but they come up at the worst possible times when emotions are really high. So what my therapist told me to do, and I mentioned this earlier when this happens, is you take a time out. But most importantly, you revisit the topic when emotions are much calmer because it's still obviously a problem. So Trev, what could you say if you're feeling yourself get defensive and all the walls go up? Um, I'd probably say something like, I know that this is important to talk about, but now is just not a good time for me. I'm feeling really stressed out. Can we please just put this off and please talk about it tonight after the kids are in bed and and we're a little more calm? Fine. (laughs) Okay, perfect. So later at night, when both of us are more calmed down after kids are in bed and we can be alone and calmer, I bring up the topic again. And So you can imagine us now, we're sitting on the couch, no distractions, nonverbal communication here is very important for people to feel understood and heard. So distractions away, no phone. We're looking at each other face to face. And I say, okay, Trev, are you ready to talk about what I was trying to bring up earlier? Uh, Yeah. What did you want to talk about? Okay. So when you come home from work, You go straight to the couch and you turn on the TV while I'm in the kitchen making dinner and I have the kids running around screaming and I'm trying to juggle them too. This has happened every day for almost two weeks and it's starting to really bother me. I don't think it's fair that you get to come home and sit down and watch TV after I've been running around after the kids all day working hard at home. 
You seem to believe you deserve a break, but I don't. And what I'm doing at home is just as important or even more important than what you're doing at work, but I don't get to sit down and have a break. It's not fair. Okay. So let me see if I have this right. What you're saying is that you feel tired from your day working with the kids all day long and you deserve a break just as much or even more than I do. And I could help you out by not plopping down on the couch, of course. But what, I mean, is is that right? Is there more that you would like me to do? Yeah, that's right. I just don't like that you get to sit on the couch while I'm slaving away in the kitchen. So it'd be really helpful if you could just help me out in the kitchen too. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that you wouldn't want to be stuck in the kitchen after you've been working hard at home all day. And, um, you know, I, I totally understand that you would want to break too. And uh, I know that that being at home is is a lot of work, and I I understand that. Yeah, it is a lot of work. I I love our kids so much, but sometimes I feel like I just need a break. And when I see you laying on the couch and I'm still working hard, I just don't think that's fair. Yeah, I can imagine you might feel jealous that and think that maybe I get to leave work at work and you never feel like you can leave work at work because your work is here. Um, so I bet you feel exhausted because of that because you've been working all day long and working with the kids and um, being in the kitchen and doing everything else. Um, probably You're probably feeling a little resentful even towards me because you want to be able to just plop down and and uh, leave your worries behind, but that's not something that you feel like you can do. Yeah, that is exactly how I feel, actually. And I don't, I haven't felt like you've valued what I'm doing at home with the kids because you're not chipping in with the work. So I just feel tired and frustrated and undervalued. Yeah, it makes sense you'd feel that way. Is there anything else that you... I haven't understood or that you want to bring up or can I respond to a couple of things that you've talked about? No. Yeah. That's, that's everything. Um, yeah, please, please do. I'd love to hear a response. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm sorry that you feel undervalued. That's the last thing that I want to happen. And I want you to know that what you're doing at home with our kids and our family is extremely important to me. And I want you to know, I really, I really do value that. I don't tell you that enough. I don't think I ever could. Um, so please know that that I do value what you do. Um, I see that you're working hard with our kids every day and keeping them alive is the most important thing that you can do. And so I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that you prepare meals for us and that you work so hard all day long. Um, and I also understand, I know I've been coming home and laying down on the couch after work lately, and I know I don't mean to be, you know, ungrateful or, or not helpful. It's just things at work have been really rough the past couple of weeks. And I, I signed up for this huge project that's due at the end of the month, and I'm, I've fallen behind with it. And I just, I'm so spent by the end of the day from working on that and getting everything going that I just want to come home and relax for a few minutes. Thanks for telling me you value what I do. I, I think we get so stuck, both of us, so stuck in our own day that we forget about each other sometimes. And I know you do a lot for us too, and you work hard. And I, I didn't realize that you've been so busy at work. 
I didn't realize that this project would be so overwhelming either. It's become much more than I thought I was signing up for, but fact is I'm in I'm in the thick of it now and I just want to work through it and get it done. Well, it makes more sense now why you bon- Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like a word vomit. <laughs> Well, it makes a lot more sense why you've been wanting to chill out on the couch after work. It sounds really exhausting, and I bet you're feeling frustrated with how difficult the project has become and stressed out to just get it done in time. Yeah, it is stressful, but I, like I said, I think I can get it done and, and get a handle on it. I just need some time when I come home to decompress from it, and I honestly didn't realize it was affecting you so much and I want to help you out more but I also recognize that I need that time to decompress and relax for a little bit. No that makes total sense. I think we're both just feeling overwhelmed in different ways. So what if we set a timer for 30 minutes when you get home and you can use that time to decompress and just chill out for a while while I work on dinner, and then after we have dinner, we can set another timer for 30 minutes while I just decompress, and you can help with the dishes. Does that sound doable? Uh, Yeah, we can try it out for a week and see how we feel and go from there. Sounds great. Thank you, Trevor. (laughs) Absolutely. Like I said, super, super grateful to be on here. And I think even just to to add, I, I know that you know, intentional dialogue, it can be a huge help. So that's why I'm so grateful and and happy to to come on and talk with you and uh, help others kind of use this tool because I think it's really important, especially in anytime you're going to have a, you know, a big crucial conversation with, with somebody and emotions are high. I think it can help a lot in those situations. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so again, that was just an example, but hopefully it better portrays intentional dialogue in action. So at the beginning of the conversation, Trevor could have easily gotten super frustrated and defensive and said he didn't feel appreciated at work either, and it could have tumbled into a nasty blame game. And then the results of that would be Trevor and I would be left feeling more unheard and undervalued. But Because Trev chose to take a time out and revisit the conversation at a specific time when he could stay curious and try and understand my perspective without getting defensive, it led to that dialogue that was helpful to both of us understanding each other better and finding a possible solution to help us both. And again, intentional dialogue is not easy. It takes a lot of work. I've had conversations where I have literally looked at my intentional dialogue sheet and walked myself through each step, but it is effective and it can be so healing in relationships because when you feel unheard and you feel misunderstood, that can lead to 20, 30, 40 year debates. It can lead to ending relationships or becoming distant with family members or friends, and it can leave lasting pain and trauma. But taking the time to practice true intentional dialogue is worth all the effort 
and creating healthy relationships and understanding others and ourselves better. And it does. It takes a lot of patience, humility, persistence, and most importantly, love. But the things that require the most from us are usually the things that make life worthwhile. And maintaining healthy connections with other people can truly help us foster healthy mental and emotional states. So I hope you found this episode helpful. I'm excited to share an interview with you next Tuesday all about sexuality and mental health as we continue to look at how interpersonal relationships can affect us mentally and emotionally for the better or the worse and what to do to improve our relationships. So stay tuned. Thank you for joining me on Lighting the Shadows. I hope you felt inspired to keep shining your light and be the unique person that you are, a person worth love, peace, joy, and life. I hope today's material has been helpful for you in some way. If you have any questions or comments, or if you would like to be a guest speaker, you can contact me through my website, lightingtheshadows.org. Have a wonderful week.